And welcome to episode eight of Curiosity Killed the Rat. It's good to be here. You interrupted me. That was rude. I always interrupt you. It's it's. I was about. It's interjecting fun points. It's giving a conversational feel to the intro rather than it having being a monologue. You know, it's (sighs) it's artistry at its finest. You fool. You oaf. You heathen. (laughs) You unrefined goddamn swine person. Oh, yeah. So oh. please continue oh. to talk. I beg. <laughs> I plead. Nay. I don't know if I want to now because clearly you have no interest in what I have to say. Wow. Wow. I'm feeling the blow. Um, so for those of you new here, welcome. We're not normally this savage to each other. I think isolation is making us both a bit crazy. Um, <laughs> Our introversion only has so many limits. Oh, Boy, that was harsh. But if you're new here, we are a science podcast. We like to talk things science and it's all a bit of fun, um, have a bit of banter. I'm Kate. I'm a neuroscientist. That's my background. But, you know, I love everything science and I just like to learn and and also chat. So here you are listening to me learning and chatting. I'm Matt. I'm just like real interested in science. Don't got a degree in it. Don't need one. That's what my sister's for. (laughs) Don't got a degree in it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean you make no it sound like you're so degrees. so uneducated. And well, why can actually... I say I don't need them fancy pants <laughs> papers on the wall? I got me some street smarts, and I'll tell you what, it's got me pretty far in life, and that's all I really need. You so, what, what are we talking fair. about? What that's are we talking about? <laughs> um, I was going to say I lack street smarts, but today's topic is very is very street smarts related, especially especially at the moment, because yes. um, we're going to be talking about soap and the chemistry of soap. But like before we dive into that, um, I think we wanted to just give a bit of an update. Yes. Last episode, which was actually like three episodes, so well done if you listened to all three parts. I'm impressed. Um, we we were talking about sort of you know the coronavirus, COVID nineteen, SARS, COVID two, and and. We talked a lot about what the world was doing in response to that, whether it was enough. And we just wanted to give a quick update, like, in such a short amount of time. Oh, boy. So a lot has changed. Has happened. Oh, oh, my God. Like, Even so much of what Even just within the time said, of, like, editing and releasing those episodes, gosh, so much so changed. So much changed. Um, it's, it's, it's wild. It's a wild ride. So, Matt, oh, do you want to give us a... baby, baby, it's a wild world. Yeah, do you want to do you want to give us a quick quick update on on the sitch in the world right now or in Australia anyway because yeah. we're based in Australia so we're going to look at Australia. So, yeah, there's like a thousand things for whatever other countries are out there and you happen to be from <laughs> whatever other countries are out there. Matthew, what so respectful of our global nat- audience. I've got some goddamn national pride, all right? Sue me. Boy. So, the first thing I'm going to start with is the total number of confirmed cases in this here country. Yes, because it was like 700 and something. Was like, that the total? You what? know, that yeah, it was total for the whole country because I remember Ellie was like, oh, uh, has Australia hit 500 yet? And you were like, 700 and something. And we were like, oh, gosh. And we like freaked out over that. So what's the, that, a fortnight well, later. holy shit. Okay. Or not even a fortnight later, like a week and a half later. 
do do you want to hazard a guess or do you like sort of know? Is so it? I wanna... I I know it's in the thousands now, or I'm pretty sure it's in the thousands. Four thousand nine hundred and seventy-six. Oh, okay. No, that is that is up. That is up from last With I saw. Just about half of them being in New South Wales alone. Um, yeah, that was because of that cruise that cruise ship, ship that that happened. Not... So. Yeah, there yeah. was a cruise ship that was docked and they let them off and people just sort of went to their homes and various places straight from there. And I think most of the reported cases in New South Wales are as a result of that cruise ship happening. So yeah. I think now there are like nine goddamn cruise ships just docked in Sydney with nowhere to go, not being allowed yeah. off. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the same in Perth though, isn't it? Like there was a there was a cruise ship in that went into Freo yeah. but they didn't let anyone off. And then they did let them off, but it was very controlled. Um, oh, they did let them off in the end. Well, yes, but it, it, it was all sort of like mm. quarantined and controlled. And I think they sent him straight to the airport or something like that. Because right. my housemate was telling me, actually, he was coming home from work. Um, he mm. works at a supermarket, so he still has a job. Unlike mm-hmm. me. Um, <laughs> same. Well, same to an extent. I I've just been stood down. I still have my employment. My thesis. It'll come back when all this madness dies down in a fucking mm. year. Anyway. Um, one of my jobs I still have. Thankfully, I can still do a bit of research yeah. from home. But but he was saying yeah. he was driving home on um, Canning Highway, which is kind of a relatively busy road in Perth that goes from Fremantle where the dock is and heads mm. towards... It goes towards the city and then eventually, it, I think if you follow it long enough, it'll go to the airport and stuff as well. But yeah. he saw three police cars with their lights oh. flashing and stuff. And behind them were three Transperth buses, all of them with their numbers set to 000. And behind that, oh. another three police cars. And those buses were transporting the people from Fremantle, from the cruise ships, straight to yeah. the airport, I'm pretty sure. Dang, um, with yeah. a police escort and all. With a police escort and all. Like that's taking amazing. it super seriously in that. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. No, that's good though. That's it what, is. That's how it should be. I think they've, they've learnt from, from Sydney's mistake. So um, the total stats I have on all of the states, this is as of 6am, 2nd of April, 2020 from the health.gov mm-hmm. website. So 84 in the ACT, uh, 2,298 in New South Wales. Uh, 18 in the Northern Territory, 781 in Queensland, 367 in South Australia, 68 in Tasmania, 968 in Victoria, and 392 in Western Australia represent. Um, Only 21 have died, though. Um, But Mm -hmm. important to note, only uh, 261,000 tests have been conducted. Yeah, I was going to say it's super important to note that, like, a major component of these results is the testing criteria, right? Mm. And New New South Wales has so many cases because part of the testing criteria is that international travel, so all of those people on on that cruise ship would have been able to be tested and then anyone in contact with those people would have been able to be tested. Um, But because of the testing criteria, it's a bit dodgy. So it seems like See, most of Australia's cases spread, are from New yeah. South Wales, but that's just because that might they're not heavily be testing the case. it after the incident with the cruise ship. Yeah. You know? um, Whereas places so, like you know, Northern Territory and ACT, they might probably don't well, have as Northern many testing Territory kits available. Definitely wouldn't especially have Northern as many. Territory. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how accurate those numbers are, but just like 
the increase from, I think mm. the important thing is not the raw data itself, but just like the increase since last episode, which is just like, yeah. it really, really emphasizes that point that Ellie was trying to make about the, about the curve and the, the steep increase. And, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. And how we're now all on like level three lockdown and can't, like last yeah. time it was only me that couldn't leave how, my house. But now, now none of you I can. can't. And we can't Sucker. go out in more than like yeah. two people at a time. And yeah. Yeah. And you're only allowed like one guest over to your house and mm. it's it's yeah. And even then you probably shouldn't. Yeah. It's and have it's you a wild about, time. I don't know if Victoria is doing it as well, but WA we're starting to get drones. Drones with loudspeakers attacked. Not like, you know, dr- drones that drop bombs on people kind of yeah, drones. I'm talking well, like obviously. those tiny quadcopter yeah, yeah, control yeah, yeah. things. But, I got that. And they're taking them to public places like beaches and parks and stuff where people aren't allowed to be congregating and they're just like playing messages about um, social distancing oh, wow. through the loudspeakers of the drone. So the police are going around being like, hey, you see people in a crowd and just like being like, hey, break up y'all. This, this shit ain't Victoria, okay. Victoria has gone one step further and we've actually like closed our beaches and mm. our playgrounds and stuff now because people just weren't listening to the police advice about keeping I think they the are proper technically distancing. closed in WA as well. But mm. um, another housemate of mine was going for a run the other day and he like saw so many families and stuff out at the parks around mm-hmm. my suburb and that sort of thing. So now there's fully, there's fully signs up because oh, I, I went for a, a run this morning. I noticed I ran past, I run past like a playground and um, yeah, there was like a sign mm. like picketed in the ground that was like warning. This is closed. Do not be here. I don't, I don't know. I didn't go close enough to read all the fine print, but I was like, Oh dang. Um, God damn. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all the, that the really point needs is, updating. Yeah, yeah. The point is the situation has escalate, escalated. I can say words escalated quite significantly. And um, just so in that's the two why, weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why this week's topic, we wanted to do something that was like still a little bit fun and lighthearted and different and not just like, here is information about coronavirus, which I'm sure you're sick of, but also that still feels relevant because this is kind of the only thing consuming my consciousness right now. I don't know about Mm. everyone else, but I'm finding it very hard to focus on literally anything else. Um, So the science of soap, soap is really fun. And like, we'll, we'll get to eventually why, why soap and why just washing your hands with soap is like all you need to do and is the best defense against this virus. Um, You know, you don't need your fancy vodka vinegar solutions that aren't actually going to do anything. Um, All you just need is just, just use soap, any soap, dish soap, Shampoo. That's what we've been using, actually, dish soap, because every time we've gone to the shops, there's been no hand soap. All of the hand soap and hand sanitizer is just always gone. So we just got an extra bottle of dish soap and we keep Mm -hmm. it in our bathroom cupboard to refill our hand soap pump dispenser. Yeah. Just mixed with a little bit of water to dilute it a little. Yeah, um, exactly. And that's like, I mean, like it might be a bit harsher on your skin. And if Mm. you've got sensitive skin, like that's unfortunate. But, you know, in terms of if you're looking just for like something that is going to kill this virus, like just literally any soap will do it. Mm. And I'm going to explain why. Um, But before we get to that, like, I just want to start with a little bit of like history, just a bit of background about like soap, right? We have been, I didn't, I didn't realize this till I started sort of researching it, but like soap, as a sort of concept and in terms of its like main ingredients has not changed for like almost like 5,000 years. We've been kind of using the same thing. So yeah. So ancient Babylonians are actually credited with being the first people to create soap. Oh shit. That's going back. So yeah. So like, the, okay. ev- the, the, ooh, the evidence that we have for this um, comes from these, like, clay containers that archaeologists mm. have found. And these clay containers have been, like, dated back to, like, 
um, 2800 BC. Petitions are called them claytainers. Claytainers, yeah. Clay-tainers. So these clay, these claytainers, um, um, and how this relates to soap is they found that like carved into the into the side of these like claytainers is like the recipe for soap, Ooh. or what what they used as the recipe for soap, which was like generally animal fat, um, water, and like wood ash. So like the ash after burning. Like charcoal, Wood. like charcoal, kind of, yeah. yeah, essentially, and that that was recipe was carved onto these clay pots from like five thousand huh. years ago, and and that's essentially I'll, I'll explain a bit later, but that's essentially the same sort of recipe as we currently use for soap. So it's like hmm. they were definitely making soap. Um, there's also evidence that like ancient Egyptians um, used soap, and that it was used by the Egyptians for treating like sores and skin diseases mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and the Romans actually have, there's reports of the Romans using soap, but it was predominantly used by doctors actually to, to treat diseases and stuff. Um, it wasn't until like the very latest centuries of the Roman era that people started using soap for personal hygiene. So like soap, soap has been around for like a good long while. Um, and like essentially, yeah, people eventually started using it for personal hygiene and whatever. And they, they ended up refining that basic recipe of like an animal fat or, or like a vegetable oil works as well. Some sort of ash and some sort of water. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I'm a vegan. What do I do? How can I stay clean? Oil. Yeah. yeah. Just some sort I'm, of I'm, oil I'm or, or fat. Just, that was a hypothetical. <laughs> but um, it was actually 1865. Another just little fun history tidbit. A guy named William Shepard was the first guy to invent or to not to invent to to pattern liquid soap. So up until that point, all soap had been like solid blocks of soap, like bars um, and yeah, yeah. Mm. And um, as you can imagine, like liquid soap was kind of a huge deal because it makes it a lot easier to clean things like like surfaces and and mm. clothes and whatever with liquid than than a bar of soap. They yeah. So essentially, like that's the basic recipe: fat, water. And then ashes, and they eventually figured out over, over centuries of, of research that the reason the ash worked so well is that it was a strong base. All about that base. Do, do you mean not, base as in like not base. an acid? Yeah, as in okay. not an acid. I was going to explain that. So, <laughs> so like, yeah. So essentially, like basic being the opposite of acidic. So mm-hmm. something, if something's a base, it that means it's like alkali or it has a pH greater than seven. Um, yeah, basic. Yeah, yeah, basic. So essentially anything basic is going to is going to help make soap turn into soap or, or turn the animal fats or the vegetable oils into soap. It kind of like mm. you need the pH to be right to facilitate the chemical reaction that I'll go through in a second that essentially creates soap. Um so like to really break into the chemistry nuts and bolts for like a hot second. So you've got your animal fats and your vegetable oils, which are made up entirely, almost entirely, of these molecules called triglycerides. So the name, the name's not important, but essentially what triglycerides are, they have two, two main parts. They've got, they've got a glycerol backbone, and then they've got these like little fatty acid tails that tail off that backbone. And these are triglycerides, and that's what's in your, your oils and your fats and what's used to make soap. Um... So these fatty acid tails are connected to the backbone by a bond that's like pretty sensitive. So for those those real chemistry nerds out there, shout out! I know you're out there. I'm out there. Um, this is an ester bond. Um, for those of you that don't know what that means, <laughs> what? 
That's doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just a type of bond. It's the type of bond that it is. It's called an ester bond. Oh but it's God, like it's, why it's are a pretty such fucking memes. <sighs> look, look, ester bonds ester can bonds. be broken. <laughs> exactly, it's so funny. Ester bonds um, can be broken by by strong by a strong base. So this is why, like, whatever, whatever the main component of like ash. Which is which is basic, or you can use. I think these days they use um, sodium hydroxide instead. Anyway, you can just use a strong base, and it's going to like cleave, like chop this ester bond, and it's going to free the fatty acid tail away from the the glycerol backbone. And so, what you're going to be left with is you're going to be left with like glycerol as a molecule, and then you're going to be left with all these like fatty acid salts. And now these fatty acid salts, I know it sounds really like boring and like high school chemistry because it kind of is um, so far, but these, these fatty acid salts are what are really cool and what makes soap like actually What makes work. it soapy. What makes it soap, yeah. So the fatty acid salts are essentially what soap is or what we talk about when we talk about like soap doing its thang. So these fatty acid salts, these fatty acids, they have, um, they also have two parts to them. So they have a head and a tail. So you, okay. the head, yeah. So you can picture them as little like. Sperm, but smaller. Okay, I will <laughs> molecular now do that. level sperm. I'm definitely going to do so that now. The head of this. This the is soap so bad. Sperm. No, no, continue. The head tell of the tell soap me about the soap sperm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the so how do these the little soap. little swimmers get get the stuff off you? The the. Okay, <laughs> so these little molecular soap sperm. Yes. The head is what's called polar, which means it is attracted to water or hy- hydrophilic. Loves water. And so these guys water. really are little swimmers. Okay. The, the heads are, yeah, but the tails, oh. the tails are actually hydrophobic or lipophilic slash nonpolar, which means they they are scared of water or they're, they're, they're repelled by water. They don't like water. They get away from water. Hydrophobic, um, that's like when you see those videos of people spraying clothes and stuff with hydrophobic liquids and all the water and stuff just rolls right off. And Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. That, hydrophobic. Yeah. So the, the little tails of the sperm, mm. the soap sperm, um, are hydrophobic. Mm-hmm. So they're going to repel water. So this tail is going to like repel water. It's it's non-polar. It's a carbon chain. Mm-hmm. None of that's important mm-hmm. unless you're like a hell chemistry nerd. I don't know. I'm catering to all parties here in terms of level of detail. But essentially what's important about this like polar head and non-polar tail is that normally in a normal situation, like non-polar things will dissolve in other non-polar things. So oil is non-polar and you can dissolve different oils inside each other. They'll mix, they'll dissolve, they'll yes. join. Um, water is polar and you can dissolve polar, a polar thing will dissolve in a polar thing like water, but oil being non-polar yeah. does not dissolve in water, which we know, right? This is why yeah. the massive like oil spills in the ocean is such a problem because the oil just separates like you get that whenever water. you make like a vinaigrette, you know, you have like the oil kind of doing the floaty floaty at yeah. the top and your, and your I vinegar's mean, just kind of chilling. Exactly. And you can do, you can literally do this as a home experiment. Like if you're super bored at home in isolation and you want to do some fun science, um, just get a cup of water, like a glass of water, pour some like, I don't know, olive oil or whatever you've got into it. And, and give it a good stir, give it a good mix, try mix it. It won't mix. It'll eventually, it'll separate back out and the oil will float on top, right? Mm. But then what you can do, just get like some hand soap or dish soap or whatever soap, do a couple of squirts of soap in there, then mix it and you'll see it actually dissolves. So does this mean <gasps> soap is an emul- emulsifier? Exactly. Soap is an emulsifier. Oh, goddamn. Oh, yeah. God damn. Uh, 
means, you know, for those of you who don't know, an emulsifier is just something that can make two liquids that don't normally mix, mix. Mix. Um, and so it's called a surfactant is mm. the type of molecule that acts as. I only recently and learnt about emulsification from watching like cooking videos when people uh, make stuff yes. like um like mayonnaise because that's just yes. like oil and eggs. Yes. You got to like yes. constantly mix it together and together together together. Yeah. So, so you can chuck some soap in your mayonnaise. <laughs> oh sweet man! You know I love. <laughs> Um, because, because, and like the reason that this works, right, is because mm. you can think of soap as like the bridge or the like magic middleman, right? Mm. It has this polar head that, that bonds and like is attracted to the water, but then this non-polar tail that's like bonding and attracting to the lipids. So the fats mm. or the oils or whatever. Um, and so the way it actually does it is like really cool. Is it like, so picture your little, your little sperms, <laughs> your little soap sperms. I they am. form, they form these like Spherical, sphere-shaped ah, cages. spherical spheres. Yes, spherical spheres. As opposed yeah, to the rectangular spheres. Yeah. Look. Okay. The spherical spheres. I couldn't think of the word I was looking for. <laughs> the round things. They form these like spheres that are like cages for the little oil droplets. So oh. picture all of the little sperm tails going inside, and then just like an outside cage of sperm heads. <laughs> um wait hold on wait wait no no backing backtrack um, okay so 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 tie all what? the tails together <laughs> tie all the tails yeah. together in the middle and all the heads will form a sphere around it right with all the tails pointing inwards okay can you picture that yeah so except it's just we're not like talking a actual of, sperm we're so, talking molecules but you know so it's just a carbon bunch tails these, in the, carbon these goddamn tails. soapy spermy boys kind of doing mm. a you know penguin huddle in the depth of winter but it's mm -hmm. spherical rather than in a ring where they got all their yeah. tail booties in the middle and all their head yeah. boys. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. And because the tail boys that are on the inside mm -hmm. are your, your non-polar likes oil, likes fat molecules, they're going to actually capture the little oil droplets, attract the little oil droplets and dissolve the little oil droplets in the middle mm -hmm. where while the heads are going to protect the outside and because the heads are also the part of this molecule where the ester bond was cleaved so you've got a slight negative charge and so all these heads, these little floating spheres are slightly negatively charged which means they're going to actually repel each other which means that they're not going to clump together and all the oils not going to clump together all these little they're called micelles uh, is the name of these sphere things these little oil cages and all these micelles are going to repel each other in in the thing so they don't it doesn't clump together and that's how it like breaks it apart and and dissolves it essentially so so the the soap molecules are these little balls of the lots of sperm thingies with the tails on the inside and the heads on the outside. Well, no, the, the soap molecules before you start rubbing it in your hands and reacting mm. it with the like grease and oil and whatever yeah. this on your hands or whatever you're washing. Um, the, the soap molecules are, just the uh, other spermy boys, okay. right? The, the fatty acid salts. And then when you react it with the oil and the dirt and the grease and the shit that's stuck on your hands. I hope there's no when, shit on your hands. Well, you know, there is. True. Work. Um, then all the little, the tails of the sperms are going to get attracted to the oil and the heads are going to form these spheres and they're going to repel each other and it's going to kind of break all the oil apart and then right. and pull it pull it off your hand, essentially, or whatever you're washing 
And then when you turn the tap on and like rinse it, it's just going to rinse it all away and it's going to take it all with it. Because if you just rinsed your hands underwater and they're covered in like oil and stuff and like germs and dirt and stuff really likes to stick to the oils in your hands and you're going to rub that underwater, the water's just going to run over it, right? Because oil and water doesn't mix. But then you add the soap and the soap actually pulls these oils and dirt and stuff off your hands by creating these little cages for it Ah. and rinsing it down the thing. After it's been rinsed off and it's off your hands and gone forever, do the do they stay as these little sperm sphero boys or do they mm. eventually like fall apart and fall release apart. the oil bits in the middle or are they just like that forever until a different chemical comes along and breaks them apart? Yeah, I don't know. I don't actually know the answer to that. Um, oh. Everything that I read only looked... I mean, that's the important bit. That was just more take curiosity. Take it off your hands. Yeah, no, now I'm curious as well. No, um, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure how strong the bond is of these micelles holding them together, whether it would require some other chemical to break it apart or whether just time would would break it apart. Okay. Um, uncertain, but but interesting point. Yeah, so that's that's essentially how so it works. So that's how it gets rid of oils and stuff, but how does it help with any kind of foreign particle you don't want on you that's not an oil, like dirt or, I don't know, here's a hypothetical one, viruses. <laughs> So I'm um, okay. They're two separate, two separate points. Let's go dirt first. I did, mm-hmm. I did sort of mention before the the dirt and the germs and the bacteria and whatever mm. sticks kind of to the oil on your hands, right? Okay. And so it's not gonna break like down the dirt, but it's still gonna like remove it because that's how it clings to you, right? If that makes sense. Oil um, is the glue between your hands and the universe. Yeah. Yeah which is disgusting. Um, So viruses or, you know, specifically because it's relevant to the world right now, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, the cause of COVID-19, you know, we'll talk about that boy. One element of that is is similar to the dirt and the germs and whatever is that it, it, it likes to sort of stick to the oil on your hands and that's why your hands are a very good vector for, like, carrying it, transmitting it, and that's why we're, like, told wash your hands, don't touch your face, all of that sort of stuff. Um, but the other element of the, of the story is that soap can actually kill the virus itself. And if you listen to our coronavirus episodes where we talked a bit about the virus, um, you would have learnt that this virus is what's called an enveloped virus. And that envelope is what's essentially made up of, of fat. It's, it's a mm. lipid bilayer. It's, it's a fat, it's a, it's a fat coated virus. So what that means is that this, this, these little virus viruses act essentially the same as like an oil droplet. You can picture them as little oil droplets, right? right. Um, and so what happens is that these little, um, <laughs> I'm just going to keep calling them soap sperms because I, I just love that, love that love now. That. What, what's their actual sperms, name again? Well, they're, they're fatty acid salts. They're, right. Yeah. Soap sperm's um, funnier. Soap sperm's funnier. So the soap sperm comes along. The little non-polar tail is going to bind to the outside of this oil droplet slash this virus because, mm-hmm. you know, it's essentially fat. And then the polar head is going to tug away and pull towards the water and and this happening all around the oil droplet with all the all the sperm boys pulling in different directions, it literally like rips the skin. I mean, it's not skin, but you know, rips this envelope, the membrane, the envelope of this virus. It tears it apart. Yeah. And okay. then and then what happens is these little micelle 
spheres will form again with the little shards of virus stuck inside them. Right. Ooh. And so it's it's formed these little like cages around the shards of virus, like not even complete oh. virus. It's like torn it apart. But the catch, there's a catch. Oh. The catch is it takes like 20 seconds for this effect to happen, oh. which is why we're told wash your hands for 20 seconds. Right. Because right. you can't just wash your hands for three seconds. That's not long enough for the virus to get pulled apart by the soap. Interesting. OK. Yeah. So does that also mean that the soap isn't just breaking the membrane it's also attacking what's inside the membrane did i hear that right and then kills uh, well, what's, what's left what's inside the membrane is essentially just rna uh which can't survive kind of free floating on its own okay, so it'll sure. just you know so it just dies die so as soon as you you're you like rip ripping apart the that space suit off the astronaut that is yeah the virus, you're just and tearing the, the flesh off it the and then the Love lungs that. collapse inside that yeah Good. exactly it's beautiful it's a mm. wonderful very, very vicious. But you like, need to wash your hands for at least 20 seconds for that to happen. Yes, you do. Right. You do. Um, do you need warm water to do it or will it work with cold water? No, cold water will work. Right. And is that 20 seconds of just rubbing the soap on your hands dry before you rinse it off or is that rubbing and rinsing and rubbing and rinsing for the 20 seconds? No, no like rubbing and then so you put the you wet your hands, you put the soap on your hands and then yeah. you're rubbing for 20 seconds and that rubbing That's what she said. not only haha. Sorry. <laughs> that rubbing not only um, <laughs> now I've lost it. I hate you. Gosh. You creates use different friction. wording if you like. Shh, hush. It creates friction, which helps kind of facilitate this process, but it also helps get the soap into all the little nooks and crannies right. and stuff of your hands and fingers. Um, but as long as the soap is sort of in contact with your hands and doing right. its thing for the 20 seconds, then it'll essentially be, be doing its job. And so, like, you know, there's been some really funny examples. I don't know. You've probably seen them going around the internet of, like, the different things you can do for 20 seconds to entertain yourself. Like, the standard one is sing happy birthday twice, but, like, everyone hates happy birthday. My yeah. personal favorite is, like, like one verse of Hey Jude because I'm a Beatles tragic, um, <laughs> or or one verse of My Sharona but singing like My, my Corona, Corona. Bum, yeah. bum, bum, bum. Oh, um, or of course because like I'm a dramatic fucking I'm me Bohemian Rhapsody apparently from I see a little silhouette of a man all the horse. way through yeah all the way through yeah. to spare him his life from this monstrosity is is about 20 right. seconds so if you want to be like fully dramatic you can just act out that whole thing and that's 20 seconds and uh that's a, that's a good fun one to do everyone love it Rhapsody. i like that but uh yeah so that's that's why the 20 second thing is a thing and that's how it works and it's not actually sperm just want to clarify that once again it just kind of <laughs> looks like it but it does have this like head, head. And a tail. It's got a we, head could and have, a tail. we could have been calling them tadpoles. That's also <laughs> what they look like. They also look like tadpoles. Uh, it's, or just like a ball and a stick, but a wavy oh, Well, not a stick, a, ta- a tail. Yeah, well, a carbon funnier. chain. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Sperm's funnier because we are literal children. Oh, sometimes I wonder if I'm <laughs> so, qualified to be an adult. So, I have a yeah. quick sidebar question because it. it's going back to like corona specifically and not necessarily soap so like what can kill mm. it is you got your soapy boys you get your alcohol above 60 percent mm. and something that one of my housemates got recently because you can't get fucking alcohol based hand sanitizer everywhere mm. anywhere i mean um it's a peroxide based sanitizer so it's alcohol free but apparently this was released mm. 
and it says on the bottle released directly in spot in response to COVID-19, this hydrogen peroxide or just peroxide based hand sanitizer that's meant to like straight up kill the virus, but it has no alcohol in it. Interesting. Yeah. Take the time to look it up. I've kind of put you on the spot there. Um, Cause like when I saw it was a alcohol free sanitizer, I was like, dude, that's not going to work. And then he showed me the bottle and I was like, yeah, we brought this out for COVID-19. Like, oh, lol. It feels really weird. It like doesn't rub in right away and your hands stay sticky for like 40 seconds. I mean, and and then it's fine. That's the other thing with hand sanitizer, though, is that it also takes about the 20 seconds to rip apart the virus. So, mm. But, I know, mean, it's not like lulled. you're rinsing off the alcohol, though. Well, yeah, but people get – but it can dry up and you don't rub your hands for as long, right? People get lulled mm. into this false sense of security where they don't put enough hand sanitizer on and they don't rub their hands for long enough afterwards because they kind of have this idea of, like, oh, the hand sanitizer has touched my skin, therefore it has killed – the virus, the but baddies. it's like, that's actually not the case. You actually need to also keep like rubbing your hands and make sure you use enough that your hands stay moist, moist, um, for long enough to, yeah, to, to kill the virus. So that's, huh. that's interesting. That's information um, I now have. So yeah, hydrogen peroxide does actually, or can actually work as, as an effective sanitizer as well. In fact, like the CDC, um, in America, which is the center for disease control, um, released release a statement saying that a solution of three percent hydrogen peroxide mixed with ninety seven percent water um, is effective against viruses, um, specifically rhinovirus, and it has been recommended um, for SARS CoV two as well. Right. So the point is, it can. But then it also there was a note here that says the exposure time has to be six to eight minutes. So like, okay. that's probably I feel why. Like this, this particular hand sanitizer takes a long time to like rub into your skin. So you kind of yeah. have to keep, so what you have to keep rubbing your hands for six minutes or does it just sitting mm. on your skin? Cause like you can I, feel the coating. I on feel your skin like as long as you have rubbed it in enough that it covers, mm. like that you've kind of gotten into all of those nooks and crannies and stuff, then it can just sit there and do its job. But you do still yeah. have to do the initial Don't like kind rinse of like your get hands off afterwards thing. or something like that. Um, and also it is important to note that that stuff is like 3% peroxide and then the rest is water. Like don't go dipping your hands in bleach. That'll certainly kill the oh virus, gosh, but it'll no. do like a fuck ton of other bad shit for you. So It will also hurt your soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So... Yeah, do we want to shuffle on to the listener question? Have we had enough of, of yeah, coronavirus for the moment? Because I've had yeah. a bit of, I've kind of had enough of coronavirus. Bit of for oversaturation the moment, of that stuff at the moment. Yeah, I it's like to, you know, it, it's good it to still be feels informed, relevant. but at the same time, it's like mm. you know, nah, hard to not think about in every other facet of my life. Mm. Mm. So I have a good question. I have a listener question that has absolutely zero relation to coronavirus. Um, Lay it on me. It's about alcohol, which which is my my jam. Not my jam in the sense that I drink a lot because I don't actually drink, but my <laughs> so, my jam in the sense that uh, I study alcohol addiction, so I know a lot mm. about alcohol. Um, so I like I like this question, and I'm going to read it word for word because it was just worded so beautifully. So we have a question that was emailed in by Josh, and I just love it. So. When drinking alcohol in an empty stomach, people commonly feel more intoxicated. If one were to do this, would their blood alcohol levels be any higher than if they had enjoyed a succulent Chinese meal before heading out (laughs) on the town? (laughs) And what is the charge, sir? A meal? A succulent Chinese meal? (laughs) 
did you see they tracked that guy down <laughs> yeah. recently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it was did. for like a fucking music video. And then yeah, he like amazing. did a whole marketing campaign with TAB or something. Yeah. It was yeah, crazy. Everyone Beautiful. thought he died. <laughs> yeah, no. So, uh. um, and so the short answer is yes. Wait, what was the, I, I got distracted by my impersonation. <laughs> so what was like, what was meme. the leaning of the question? So yes means you, so, you get a higher blood alcohol level or. Yeah. So okay. if you get drunk on an empty stomach or so if you have, let's say one, one standard drink, one beer, you chug, yeah. you chug a cold one on an empty stomach, boys. chug a cold one on an empty stomach with the boys, or you chug a cold one after a succulent Chinese meal with the boys. Yes. Um, is your blood alcohol level going to be higher on an empty stomach than after said succulent meal? The answer is yes. Your blood alcohol content will most certainly be higher. Um, so, yeah, people obviously, as, as just said at the start of this question, um, people do feel more intoxicated more quickly when when they drink without eating. Um, and there is a reason for that. Shock horror. It is because there is, in fact, more alcohol in your blood. Um, oh. Yeah. So do you want to know why? Do you want to know how that works or is that enough? And we're done. Quit. Done. Answer. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> it's been a really good. Okay. No, no. Why, why? No. Okay. So the general sort of, not really myth, but like idea concept is that the when you eat food, it absorbs the alcohol, right? Especially like bread. Bread yeah, is alcohol sponge, apparently. Apparently. Um, I, there's a there's a bit of truth to that, but not really. The way the way that it works, bread is not actually going to be your best bet because bread bread is a carbohydrate that digests quite quickly. Um, you actually want to eat something that's like really high in fat or high in protein because those things digest very slowly. And the reason is that for why that, you have like a greasy breakfast when you're hungover. The yeah, to, yeah yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe could be why you definitely crave it. But like yeah, it, it will work in terms of like if you have a protein or or high fat meal before you drink then all of this food is going to be sitting in your stomach. And that does, in fact, slow the absorption of alcohol into your bloodstream. The reason for that is because about 80% of the absorption of alcohol happens in your small intestine. So, like, some of it happens in the mouth, some of it happens in the stomach, but mostly it's in your small intestine when the alcohol reaches your small intestine that it gets absorbed into your bloodstream. And so in between your stomach and your small intestine, we have, like, a little muscle, a little valve a little sphincter, if you will. A sphincter. I yeah, it's called, the, it's called the pyloric sphincter. The pyloric um, sphincter. I tell you yeah, what, that's going to be the pylorus. name of my new fucking punk band. Amazing. Pyloric What's sphincter. up, everyone? We're pyloric sphincter and we're going to fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. This, this pyloric sphincter or this um, pylorus valve or whatever you want to call it, 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 essentially, if you don't have any food in your stomach, it's open. So if you drink alcohol, it's going to go through your stomach. Your stomach's no, it's not going to sit in your stomach. It's just going to go straight into that lower intestine, straight into your bloodstream. <laughs> if there's food in your stomach, what happens in your stomach to food is that, you know, all the stomach acid does its thing and it essentially breaks down the food. And this pyloric sphincter actually stays closed until the food in your stomach is broken down and digested enough to move on to the small intestine. Otherwise, you're going to get you know, it's just going to go straight through and it's, you know, not good, right? We need, we need a control mechanism for keeping food in our stomach until it's broken up enough to continue on the track. And that's, okay. that's what the pyloric sphincter's job is, is that it keeps food in the stomach and, and pretty much anything in the stomach, including liquid, including alcohol, until the food that's there is digested enough to pass through. So what happens is if your stomach is full of food, that pyloric sphincter is going to be closed 
and the alcohol and it's going to close until like the food kind of digests and it's going to open a little bit, let a bit of food through, but then close again and just let bits trickle through as digestion happens. And so the alcohol is actually going to get into your small intestine much slower and therefore into your bloodstream much slower. So you can make alcohol low GI by having a greasy meal. I mean, it's still, you still have it. It still hits you eventually. It just kind of like prolongs mm. the, it just makes it take longer. Uh, well, and also if- I guess, you know, there, there is actually a little bit less that eventually makes it to the small intestine because mm. while it's churning around in the stomach, some of it can get broken down. Um, so you, you do get less drunk overalls, but yeah, essentially, um, eating food makes the alcohol slow hit you release. less and slow release. Yeah. Yeah. Does that also mean if you eat more, you pay less? Because your stomach is filling up yeah. with more food. So then if you just top that with normal liquids, even if it's just water, your your your, your sphincter won't let the liquid through well, into the small intestine? Or does the water kind of no, seep cause, through cause, the food and kind of still make its way through? I mean, because you can have water absorption. Um, I think you can have... Oh, I think you can have water absorption in the stomach. Hang on, I'm going to fact check that. I didn't think that was okay. I didn't think that was the case. I could be wrong. I mean, last time I learnt about it was bloody year eight biology. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, Water is absorbed in the alimentary tract. Yeah, that doesn't fucking... What is that? Brought to you by two not biologists. The organ... I am a biologist. I'm just the wrong type of biologist. Brought to you by one wrong type that, of biologist that, and one not I biologist. I love that. The alimentary tract includes the mouth, pharynx, esophagus, stomach, small intestine, large intestine, rectum, and Is that just that the wank name for the digestive uh, system? Gastrointestinal tract. No, I don't know. Weird. Must be an... Um, okay, small intestine as well. Okay, okay, okay. So to answer your question, that's an interesting point. I think, I think possibly because... Yeah, as far as I'm aware, water water gets absorbed in the small intestine as well, and and so yeah, it would it would slow all of that, and it would also in terms of the alcohol, right? If the alcohol is not getting into your bloodstream, it's not reaching you know the parts of your nervous system or, or endocrine system and stimulating the hormones that that make it a diuretic and make you want to pee more. Mm. Um, and so you have less of that diuretic effect as well as less of the liquid, just kind of like actually absorbing through um yeah or it just it just happens slower because like you know you're not going to be more dehydrated because the water is eventually going to make it through yeah it's just not going to make it through as quickly because it's not going to get broken like the water doesn't get broken down in the liver like the alcohol does yeah um so yeah the water will eventually get there or any liquid whatever you drink but yeah yeah there you go fascinating stuff right i think that's a pretty uh tidy place to wrap things up yeah, I would say so. That was a, that was a fun little fun little. I gotta be honest, it's kind of surreal just finishing now compared to last fortnight <laughs> where you just read for fucking like five hours, recorded seven hours for like straight. twenty oh hours. God. Yeah, no, this was nice. This was fun. I That's had nice. fun. I hope you had fun. No, uh, and it's you know what's great about the fact that our podcast is already done by distance is that this whole working from so, home social distancing between us hasn't affected anything. Yeah, it's business is like used from the curious so to kill like the rat team. Memes and news things about people like really struggling with the self isolation and the quarantine and that. I'm kind of like. I mean, that's just kind of what I did normally. I only really <laughs> left the house for work and uni and uni's online and I've been stood down at work. So now it's just like, okay, so now the rest of my days are just like the other days. So, okay. Yeah. Whereas I still have work to do from home and trying to be productive. is It's been a steep learning mm. curve, 
But in terms of in terms of I'm I'm loving that in terms of podcast work, business as usual. That was that's a nice that's a nice feel, sense of normalcy in this wild, wild world. And that's so, real important. So mm, you don't drive mm. yourself crayfish. Exactly. So remember, reach out to your friends, reach out to your family, even if you're not in the same house as them, you know. We're so lucky to live in a world where technology allows stuff like this to happen. Um, exactly. You know, and like we if can this have meetings via Zoom. 50 and, years ago? Yeah. Oh. We'd be... You know, well, I read this oh, thing. <laughs> I read this thing that when when um, the universities had to close down because of, oh, was it bubonic plague? Um, that's when... Um, um, Oh, fuck. What's okay, I've stuffed. Oh, it that's up. when who, Newton who invented his... calculus? Was it Newton? Yeah, yeah, it was Newton. So when 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 yeah, when the universities had to close down because of the bubonic plague, that's when Isaac Newton invented calculus and also figured out, you know, gravity. Um so me as a scientist at home is feeling imposter syndrome more than ever. <laughs> if it wasn't real before. Oh boy. Um but also Isaac Newton didn't have Netflix or that's a PS4. True. That's so, true. That's true. You know, I've that's... got a number of streaming services and a number of online games and it's yep. been fun. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been a little holiday. I feel I should do more, but oh well. Uh, enjoy it while you can. I will. That's what I reckon. <laughs> Silver linings of this whole horrific crisis that's happening around the world, right? Take exactly. them where you can get them. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks guys for listening. Look after yourselves. Stay safe and wash, wash your, your damn hands. hands. Wash your, your pig. fucking goddamn <laughs> dirty, dirty hands. Ah, uh, love it. Beautiful. And with that, oh, follow oh. us. Social media. Oh, right. Curiosity Rat. Email us. Email us. CuriosityRat at gmail.com. Insta, Twitter, Insta, Facebook. Twitter, Facebook. Find us, love us. We recently got a new logo. It's amazing. I love it. So shout, shout out, out to Steph. Steph. You can find him at Steph, S-T-E-F-F underscore tattoo underscore artist on Insta. He's amazing. Uh, check out his work and enjoy life as much as you can right now. <laughs> you know, that's, that's all I'm going to say. Just do your best. We're all just doing our best. No, that's all <laughs> we can that, have to do. Peace out, homies. Sup, guys, and... Oh, wait, shit, what episode are we up to? Oh, shit, I don't actually know. This is eight. eight. This is eight. Because seven was actually, like, three episodes, so yeah. I'm just, like, spun out. Nah, this are is... We sure are, we, are we sure it's... Are we 100% sure it's eight? eight. We're okay. at episode eight. Okay, cool. I'm going to try that again. Unless... Cool.